Uh, if you are visiting, my name is Miles, and I'm Pastor Rock, and we're glad you're here today. We, we have exciting service for you today. Let's get this party started. Let's get on our knees and pray to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Old school, on your knees. Y'all should practice this every day. Just kind of remind yourself that you are not God. Amen. And it reminds us who is. Lord, we just thank you so much that we don't have the weight and responsibility of the world on our shoulders. Our one responsibility is to know you and obey you. And we pray that uh, you reveal yourself to us, that we would sense your presence and bow to your presence today. In Jesus' name, in the nome of the Jesus, amen. 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 So give someone a high five, a hug, a kiss or something like that. If you are a visitor, we uh, take our Bibles out, or if you have your Bible on your phone, and we lift it up and say words. So I'm on three, we're going to lift our Bibles up with your word and say word. One. I know uh, we can't count here at the rock. We just, we just go. We just ready to go, ready to go. One, two, three, say word. Very good, very good. Let's turn to the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. The last book of the Bible, all the way to the back. To the end, to the right. <laughs> Revelation chapter 12. I can't wait to see this stuff for real when we go to heaven. It's going to be, you're going to be like this. <laughs> Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, it says, war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought. Michael, that's not Michael Jackson or Michael Jordan, that's Michael the angel. <laughs> fought with the dragon, the devil, who was an angel. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. The devil was an angel, and he uh, got puffed up and said he wanted to be God, so God threw him out of heaven. That was not a long HR meeting. That was just bye. <laughs> Verse 9, the, the dragon, the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world and cast, was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Demons were angels. They, so he took one-third of all the angels. They followed him and they are demons. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren. If you've ever been accused or accused somebody, that's the work of the devil. You ever hear people say, um, let me speak for the devil or um, what's, that, what's that term? The devil's advocate, don't be the devil's advocate. Be God's advocate. Okay, anyway, that's another story. The accuser of the brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. So if you feel accused in your head, you're this, you're that, you're not that, that's, that's instigated by the devil. Uh, but some of us have learned to do it on our own. You don't need the devil. You just do it. But it comes from the devil. It's not something God does. God, he encourages, he affirms. And then it says, verse 11, and this is the verse we'll focus on. They overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb. Jesus Christ died on the cross and shed his blood for us. He is the lamb that was slain. In the Old Testament, they, they killed a lamb when God delivered the Jews from Egypt. And it's called the Passover. When the blood of the lamb was on the door, the angel of death passed over their house. 
So Jesus is the blood, of, he is the lamb that was slain and his blood was shed on the cross for us to pay the price for our sin. It says, they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb. In other words, when you ask Christ to be your savior, the devil has no more authority over your life. And then it says, and by the word of their testimony. It's one thing to say, I ask Jesus to be my savior. I go to the rock church. I go to this church. That's all fine and good. But what's your life like? So it's another one thing to say, I go to, I, I go to church or I pray to prayer. It's another thing to say, no, my life has changed. So when the devil comes and says, you're a hypocrite, you say, yeah, but I used to be that. Now I'm this. I used to talk like that. Now I talk like this. God is working in my life. That's a testimony. That's why we have the app Gospel Central. We want you to share the testimonies of people on that app. We can't encourage you enough to get that app, gospelcentral.us, and share those testimonies. Because when people hear someone else's story and they see what God has done in their life, it, it, the Bible says right here, you overcome the work of the devil. So when the devil tells me, you used to do cocaine, which I did, I can say, but I don't anymore. So what about that sucker? <laughs> you know, then he said, but well, you used to do that. I don't do that anymore. He said, but you still do this, but I'm going to get over it one day. God's working on me. Amen. Well, it's in process. Okay, so today we have an amazing testimony. We have Ken Shamrock. I'm going to give you a little bit about Ken. Ken is the uh, godfather of MMA fighting, mixed martial arts. Uh, he is 51 years old. In doggy years, that's ancient. <laughs> okay. He was elected to the UFC Hall of Fame in 2003, four-time UFC heavyweight champion, first UFC super heavyweight champion, first Pancrase heavyweight champion, WWF World Tag Team Champion, four-time Tough Man Champion, first-time ever TNA World Heavyweight Champion, and he's 51 years old. He's making his comeback. He's fighting Kimbo Slice this Friday. Amen. And so what we're going to do is we're going to show you a quick clip of that fight. A quick clip. It's this Friday. You can see it on Spike TV. Let's see that, and then we're going to invite Ken out. And when he comes out, we're going to give him a stand ovation. Can I get amen? amen. So check out, this, check out this clip. June 19th. Two of the biggest names in MMA. I was born to fight. Let's do this. Kimba wants to brawl. I will destroy him. Finally meet live and free on Spike. This is the must-see card of the year. Featuring featherweight world champion Patricio Pitbull. Oh! Battling submission ace Daniel Weichel. He tapped. And a heavyweight showdown when Lashley meets Thompson. Plus former champ Michael Chandler. Wow. Enough talk. It's time to fight. Bellator MMA. Kimbo versus Shamrock. Presented by Miller Lite. Friday, June 19th on Spike. Let's give Big Ken a big round of applause. Get up. Thank you, man. <laughs> All right. Amen. 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 All right. Before we get started here, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Who's the man? <laughs> oh, yeah. Now we can get started. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to have you here, brother. Thank you, man. Now, now for all you guys who work out, um, there's a difference between having muscles and being able to use muscles. Okay? So we all, we all have muscles, but then some of us have muscles. And then... <laughs> And then some of them have those. So, so why don't you show, show your guns right there? So right there. So here's the thing about that. This thing right here, that's not, those aren't guns. Those are weapons. <laughs> and and it's, it's funny when you see athletes, athletes, you know, some, some big, they'll come in shapes and sizes, but it's really what you can do with what you got. Right. Great having you here, brother. Well, I appreciate being here, man. Thank you so much, all of you, for coming. Thank you. 
So Kimbo Slice, this Friday on Spike TV, uh, just, just for people who don't know, mixed martial arts, you guys are going to be in a ring with a cage. 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 <laughs> and uh, how long is that fight going to last? Well, it's supposed to go for five or three five-minute rounds, but um, I think it's probably going to go about two, two minutes and 45 seconds. So before we get to why it's two minutes and 45 seconds, how, much, how tall are you? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with six foot. Six foot. <laughs> <laughs> that, that means it's 5'11". And, then, <laughs> and, you, and you weigh how much? 213 pounds. 213. Kimbo is how big, how tall? He weighs 245 pounds. Thus, two minutes and 45 seconds. seconds. I'll give him a minute for a per pound. <laughs> minute for a per pound. Per, 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 per pound. <laughs> Good. Well, we'll be praying for you. And uh, so let's get right to your story. And we're going to start from the beginning, where you grew up as a kid with your mom and your two brothers. Give me, give me a minute on that. Well, I, I'm Macon, Georgia, uh, from the south. Uh, I was uh, born in um, an Air Force base down there. The environment in which I grew up in was uh, in, in pretty much in the ghetto. Uh, we didn't have any mirrors in our house. And, uh, you know, there was, I don't even remember us even having a bed. There was three boys. I was five, six, and seven. I had two older brothers. And uh, it was like a war zone. Uh, every single day when I got up to go to, to, go to kindergarten or school, um, I was basically put into... Uh, an all-African-American neighborhood. I mean, when I went to school, I was the only white kid in school. And during that time, if you, some of us who are a little bit older can remember uh, late 60s and early 70s, uh, you know, there was a lot of racial tension. And people were, were getting killed over the color of their skin. And, and here I was put in the middle of this and us being kids not understanding why we're angry but there was a lot of violence taken out on me being in that environment. And so constantly, every single day, I was fighting for survival. Imagine five years old and six years old, seven years old, that your kid is constantly fighting for survival. Your mom, a biological mother who is never there because she's a go-go dancer. So she's working at night, sleeping during the day, not paying attention. And we're raising ourselves. This is what I grew up in. And so for all of y'all who are, are younger and you see the stuff on TV about racial stuff, back then it was way worse when we were growing up. And when I grew up in New York, we used to watch on television what was happening down in the South. And when I was growing up, I was like, I ain't never going to the South because it was, it was like crazy. So you grew up, you're, you're now, it's flipped. You're the only white kid fighting uh, every day constantly. Then your mom meets this guy, and they all move. Yeah, she meets a guy in the military. Uh, he, we, he packs us up in a pretty cool car, 69 Camaro with a U-Haul attached to the back. We drive 3,600 miles uh, to Napa, California. Uh, so, and when you get to Napa, describe what was going on in you based on what happened, because you also had some other stuff happen to you when you were a kid yeah. uh, in, in Macon, but you get to Napa, what's going on inside of you? Well, there's a lot of anger and frustration uh, being brought from Macon because of the situation in which we were put in, basically raising ourselves and, and uh, you know, even with babysitters that we had down there, uh, we, were, we were taken advantage of and my, my, myself and my brothers were made to do things to one another and and, uh, and these, these uh, people that watched us were 
uh, you know, obviously taking advantage of us. It's no, no kid should ever have to go through. So uh, with that, uh, the abuse there and the, 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 the anger that I brought from that environment to what was supposed to be paradise, um, a Napa. new start. Napa, California, we were going to get our own beds and, you know, we had mirrors and we were going to have food and toys and all these things that we're thinking was supposed to happen. And, and, and when we get there, um, it was such a dramatic change in an environment. Whereas when I was in Macon, I, I thought that's what I was. I mean, that's what I grew up in. I didn't have mirrors in the house, so it wasn't like I was looking in a mirror every day to, to see who I was. But what I saw out of my eyes was basically what I was. Mm -hmm. So when I went down to Napa, and now I'm pretty much pushed into this all-white school with all these kids there. And uh, I remembered going into this school and me having that attitude from the South, um, you know, where it was very violent and very angry, and then these kids that had some sort of education upbringing and, and, and they were raised properly to a kid that had absolutely no concept of that. Here I was put into the middle of this in a regular school and of course my thing was to dog everybody because if I could dog them, which I'm sorry, which means stare them down so they don't come near me, right? And look at them like angry so they don't approach me because if they don't approach me, there's no problem. But if they approach me, I know they're approaching me with bad intentions because I just gave them bad intentions. So they're coming anyways. So give context. Give context. Let me say, whenever you hear someone's story, all of us are on a journey with God at 100%. And we're all on this journey trying to search for purpose in our life because God created us with a purpose that we search for because we're yearning for it because we don't have it. And we're looking for money, sex, all these things, trying to find out what's my purpose, how do I get peace. Mm -hmm. We're all in this journey. So when you hear a story, you are hearing God takes someone through just a different version of what he's taking you through, Amen. which is on his journey to find him and, com and contentment. So here he is, 10 years old. He's already, eight and ten, yeah, eight and eight ten, ten. he's already hard. He's already a criminal, okay. Already, no, for real. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, the truth. I, I, it's just something we haven't, he's been arrested. Blah, blah. And so uh, he's, already, he's already looking to fight. So that's the context that's happening and so now these kids walk up to you, and they're, they're from California. They don't get, they're not. <laughs> yeah, we ain't on the beach anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to make the comparison to where the hard brother was to the kids right. from Napa. Right. <laughs> if you're from Napa, don't be offended. <laughs> now he drops it on me. <laughs> no, but seriously, here I was, right there. Just come back from this, 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 this anger, hate, and frustration environment. Now here I am put into this, uh, some, some uh, would call it paradise. I'm, I'm standing there, and these kids are looking at me because I walk differently, I talk differently, I act differently, I dress differently. I mean, I am like a, a, a real standout here where people are looking at me, and they can tell I ain't from this neighborhood. So as these kids start to approach me, I know something's going to happen It's bad. There's about four of them because I'm dogging them and they're still coming. So as they're coming, I'm thinking to myself, which one's going down first? That's my thought process. As they're coming, all of a sudden the mouth starts shooting off about how they're going to do this and you look funny and you're stupid and this and that. And it's going to happen. So here they come. And I'm thinking in my mind, like, uh, I'm going to drill these kids. And as they're walking up, 
this is where I come from. This is how it works where I come from then. Was that when they walked up, they start talking trash. And all of a sudden, they're going to go, okay. I'm going to fight and we're going to meet at 3 o'clock behind the gym. Well, just as he said fight and he started to get the other words out, I hit him. Boom. <laughs> Down he goes. I start putting the boots to this kid. The other kid's eyes got about that big around and went, like, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> but where I come from is that you, you don't see it coming. When someone challenges you and threatens you, you don't see it coming. So when that happened, my mindset immediately was survival. Like they're coming, they just told me what they were going to do, and I'm not giving them a chance to jump me or set me up. So immediately my reaction was to hit them. And not only did I just hit them, I literally put the boots to this kid on the ground while these other kids were watching, and these other kids are like, they've never saw anything like that, but probably in the movies. This kid's beat on the ground, and to me... That was normal. You're 10. You're, you're, at this point, you're in and out of group homes. Things happen in the group homes. You go visit your mom on a home visit from the group home. Your mom's reading the Bible. She invites you to church. You, you go to church. You're out on the street witnessing with the church program. You're walking down the street and something happens to you. Yeah, this is a great, uh, this is what really made me hungry for life to try to keep searching for that moment. But this moment where uh, I was going to church, uh, I had been home on what we call a home visit or a home pass because I was in placement. So I come back, I go to church, uh, they're doing a, an, a, an appreciation uh, for the neighborhood, so the kids that were at the church were going to go to the neighborhoods and pass out these flyers with these Wrigley Spearmint gums stuck on these papers. And to use that are younger, that's bubble gum. For us older people, we know what that is. So it was stuck on this paper, and we were handing out these flyers to the neighborhood. Well, I was going to carry the box. There's no way I was going to go up and do that. I'm just going to, to get out of the house. So here we are walking with these, these papers and handing out these flyers, and I'm eating all the gum and, and enjoying life. <laughs> and these other kids were up there passing these flyers out, and... As I was walking, and I wasn't asking or looking or anything, I was just trying to kill some time. And here I was, I walked off, the, and I just stepped off a curb. And I remembered the feeling that I'd gotten was like peace, no worries, no trouble. I mean, it just, it just, it just came over me. And as a kid where I come from, I'd never experienced anything like this before. I'd never understood peace and happiness and calmness and no worries I didn't know what it was. And I remember going back um, after we had finished this thing, and I was really kind of confused, and I didn't want to talk to anybody about it because I didn't want to seem, you know, like uh, I was weird or anything or high or anything like that. So I remember going back to the, the youth pastor, and even then I was struggling to ask him because it just felt really weird to me. And I, so I started telling him, hey, man, I got this feeling. I was walking, and he said, this is the Holy Spirit. And I was like... That's weird. Like, <laughs> what, what is that? You know, so I didn't even understand it to a point. So when he explained it to me and told me a little bit, I still didn't understand it. But I wanted more of it. I mean, I really, that's when I felt that. And us, have, those of you that have felt that understand what I'm talking about. It's a feeling that you don't want to let go of. And I chased it my whole life, chasing that feeling. 
all your life because God made you for a relationship with him, all your life because God put eternity in you, you are yearning for that. And you don't even know it. So you're looking for a relationship. You're looking for love. You're looking for success, for purpose, for someone to tell you you're pretty, you're, you're successful, you're smart, you're talented. When in fact you're looking and yearning for a relationship with God. So he can do all of that in one swoop. But we don't know it. And so we search for all these things. We spend our whole life running into dead ends. And then at some point, for, for reasons I cannot explain, the eyes of your heart open and you say, this is it. It's Jesus Christ. I need to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I need a relationship with God. God created you in order for you to be in relationship with him. That is the reason you exist. I know that some of you believe you were evolved, you came out of some amoeba, you grew out of it with no design. No, God designed you with a purpose for the purpose of having a relationship with you. And so in our search for that, we run into all these brick walls and that there are times in our life where, where you realize, no, I'm supposed to surrender my life to Jesus. And it's in the context of that relationship that all my questions... All my fears will be answered. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. God's rule in your life. And all these things will be added. What's all those things? Everything you need. And so what you're hearing is his journey through that process. And we want to help you in your journey through your process because we're all not been there. We're all in it at some stage there. So now you accept the Lord and then you walk away because there's no one there to disciple you and you get into fighting. So I want to I talk a little bit about your fighting experience uh, and, and that's, that's a week of, of conversation. But talk about um, your fighting and how you tur turned your anger into a career. Right. <laughs> Pancration. Right. Well, I, I tell you, it's, uh, he's talking about my professional fighting career because my fighting career started when I was five. <laughs> I was fighting a long time. But uh, no, but seriously, uh, I was so angry. Uh, and like I said, all those things I talked about, just carrying that anger with me through life and, and trying to learn how to release it. And for me, um, anger for me was being able to vent it into something. And what I did was I vented it into sports or fighting. And for me, when I did that, I had a release, a place to release that anger into something positive. Therefore, football was good, wrestling was good. But then I've got into the pro fighting where I had actually went to Japan and being able to actually, for the first time, be able to get into a ring and be able to um, punch somebody, kick somebody, L somebody, throw somebody to the ground, punch them on the ground, stand up and do it again and get paid for it. It's a great place to vent my frustration. So, so, but with all that, too, is also trying to balance, you know, what God wanted me to do also. So, um, and that's kind of where um, I think, in my opinion, where I really got an opportunity to really uh, become something in life. And God gave me a platform to be able to do that from. And a lot of people have a hard understanding of, of that being able to go in and do what I do, but you still love your brothers and sisters. Yeah, talk about, you know, how many fights you, you've had, four, 38 fights? How many fights have you had? Yeah, 122, but professionally, I probably had 28. <laughs> 20 professional <laughs> fights. Um, and in that, you said something to me the other day, because you, tra you train young kids to fight, that it's not about trying to hurt your opponent, it's about trying to compete and win. 
Exactly, and, and it's a fine line. I mean, if you look at it, most people wouldn't see the difference, but if you're a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, it would be easy to see that because we understand what God is asking from us. But what it is truly um, is, is when I used to go in the ring and fight, uh, when I first started out, was that, and you could see to my eyes, when I stood across the ring and I looked at my opponent, I had bad intentions towards that man. So if you and I were fighting, you would have bad intentions towards me. I want to end your career. I mean. Appreciate it. <laughs> Even this career too? <laughs> just, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it was, that's what it was. When I was standing in the ring, I looked across there and I saw a guy trying to take food off my table. I saw a guy trying to take away my way of making a living. Uh, what God, had, and not necessarily I was bringing God in conversation, but what God had set up for me. And being able to give me this platform to fight from, this guy was trying to take it from me. And that this man trying to take it from me was not going to be walking out of this ring when I was finished with him. Those were the intentions I had when I first went in. As my faith grew and I started getting more of an understanding about who God wanted me to be, when I walk into the ring, it isn't about the guy across the ring for me. Obviously, it's a competition and I want to win. But it's not about trying to hurt him. It's about me training, training hard, putting my best foot forward, and being able to get a victory through the hard work that I put in. Nothing to do with trying to harm this man. Amen. Amen. Even though that victory uh, requires him to say, leave me alone, kid. <laughs> okay. Uh, your career progresses. Your career becomes your God. Then God says, Ken, I am God, takes your career away through injury, through your contracts are being canceled, you're not making enough money, and, and your wife says something to you as you're struggling, find out why is, you know, you're getting older, and, and as, especially as athletes, your time, there's always a clock. Yes. And, and, and you see your career, you're not the man anymore in the eyes of the world, and they're not want, you're not getting the big fights, big contracts, and your wife says something to you. Tell us about that. Yeah, as he was saying, you know, things started being taken away and dwindling. And I remember me and my wife had plenty of conversations. And I was frustrated because I couldn't understand why all these things were happening. It seemed like everything was going the way I wanted it to, but they were just falling apart. And I remember my wife said something to me that really made me look and start to evaluate what it is I was actually doing. But she told me, she said, you know what, maybe it's not what God wants you to do. Maybe it's, maybe it's time for you to quit or hang it up. And I remember thinking to myself, there's no way. No way. That just can't be. And as I was doing this and thinking about this, it hit me. It was like I had just taken what God had given me, the platform in which God gave me to speak from, to be able to, to, to minister to people from, and I had just taken that platform and put it above God. So God was here, it's supposed to be God's here, family, and career. What I did was I took my career, put it above God, and put it down here. Uh, how many of y'all, you don't have to raise your hand. I mean, you can if you want, but I'm not asking <laughs> you to do that. This is what we do. We take something that God gave us, the created thing, and put it above the creator. That's called sin. We do it every day. We put other things first. We, we don't read our Bible every day to get God's word in us. We don't pray every day because we think, you know what, I'm just going to work harder. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make more money. I'm going I'm to go out and have fun. I'm going to watch pornography. I'm gonna, those are the things that I'm going to look to to get happiness and fulfillment instead of God. That is called idolatry. That's ex- idolatry 101. If you look at a bi- in the dictionary, idolatry, putting something over God. And we all do it. It just happened to be in his case, it was wrestling. And when you see celebrities do it, the only difference between them and you is that they're getting paid more money. And, and, and their idolatry is on television and yours is not. But it's exactly the same thing. And so you, you get this revelation from your wife. And by the way, his wife is such a sweet. She's, she, I don't want to say she's the opposite of him, that he's not sweet. But <laughs> she, she, she's the soft side. And like we, we met, she's just like, and Ken's trying to explain something to me. And she goes, blank, in two words. I said, that's what Ken was trying to say. <laughs> so you yeah. do this. And then you tell your wife something. When you realize that God needed to be first, you say something to her. But you were struggling. Tell us about what you had to say to her. Well, you know, when we talked about putting God first, I made that decision where I had to put God first. And, and, and what my wife had said about, you know, maybe it's time, I said, okay, God, if this is what you want, then I'm going to go there. And we had already started a ministry and we were speaking from there. And so I put my ministry first and God first. So as I was doing that, I was being asked to do things from God. We all know God talks to us and he gives us things that we need to do. And I remember as he was speaking to me, he, there was things he was asking me. And I was really at the time very confused about what he wanted me to do. And one of those things was that he was asking me to pick up and go to Modesto. And now I'm in Reno and that's three hours, four hours away from Reno, and that where I live at. My mom was at biological mother. It wasn't, it's not that one. It's my mom that raised me that owned the group home that I was in. I was asked to go there, stay at her house, and go to this church up there, which I had been a part of, and engulf myself in the word. And I was supposed to be going up there for a couple months. Now, I didn't know how to tell my wife that, that I was going to leave her, and I'm going to go up there, and I'm going to worship, and, you know, and uh, this is what God's calling me to do. I didn't know how to tell her that. And so I remember just contemplating. We had talked about certain things. I said, God's calling me to do something. And she was saying, yeah, I know. I know he is. But I would never tell her what he wanted me to do. So I remember I was laying in bed, and I woke up one morning, and I just said it. And uh, as I sat up in bed, and I said, hon, I think God's calling me to Modesto, and he wants me to go up there for a couple months. And she just rolled over a little bit. I know. As we know, that was one of those moments where I felt that big. Because if God was asking me to do something that important that could mess my family up, he should have had it already worked out, right? I should have believed that already. It was already done. And yet I wasn't, again, wasn't thinking about what God was asking me to do and that it was already done. There are a lot of y'all right now, you are in your journey and you're at a crossroads right now, this minute, where you have an opportunity to say, God, yes. Yes. You're either going to say to God, yes or no. There's not, I'll think about it, that's a no. Later, that's a no. Tomorrow, that's a no. It's either yes or no. And you have to trust that God has everything else figured out. It is not your job to know everything. That's God's job. Your job is to know what you know. 
And if God is saying, I want you to surrender, he wants you to surrender. And when you surrender, he has everything figured out. What about this? What about this? Don't worry about that. One of the things that happened to Ken is that he gave, he, his career was gone. He gave his, made his commitment and God gave his career back. Thus, he has his first fight back from being a couple years off this Friday against Kimbo Slice. Amen. And by the way, uh, I want to encourage y'all to, to invite your friends back uh, tonight and watch this online. Uh, this will be online. Uh, you can watch it to, uh, starting tomorrow. But uh, the point is, is that right now some of y'all need to make a decision that you are going to say yes to God. And the other thing that God gave Ken is he has a documentary about his life. That you can go to KenShamrock.com and get information about that. KenShamrock.com. And you can watch the documentary uh, on his life. Uh, but the, the decision you have to make now is, do I say yes to God? Because you could hear a testimony like this and say, oh, that's great, that's great for him, that's great for him. But the whole point of telling you this is to show the power of a testimony and the power of trust in Christ, the power that has over the demons in your life and the pain in your life and the despair in your life, and that you can actually be forgiven and restored to a right relationship with God where God can now make you the productive person that he created you to be. To walk in relationship with Jesus Christ. And so in a minute, you're going to have an opportunity to say yes to God. You're also going to have an opportunity to say no. But just understand when you say no to God, what you're saying to God is God, even though you're God, you know everything, you're almighty, you know everything about me, you know it's right for me, and I don't know anything you know, I'm still going to trust myself. That's just not a wise decision. I was talking to a guy once, actually it was a couple, they were living together, sleeping together, having sex, da 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 and they were bragging about it. And I said, uh, how's that working out for y'all? Yeah. No, for real, how's that working out? It ain't working out. The Bible says the heart knows its own bitterness. You know what's in here. You know how much you need God. And so in a minute we're going to pray and my challenge to you is to say yes to God. Jesus, I want you to forgive me of my sin. Some of y'all took, gave your life to Christ, but you gave it back. You took it back. In other words, you say, Lord, years ago or months ago, whatever, Lord, I give my life to you. And then you said, but I'm going to live my life my own way. God said, that, that doesn't work for me. I want 100% commitment. And he deserves it. Like in every marriage relationship, you want 100% from your spouse. Can I get an amen? Jesus deserves at least that. So I want all you, all your campuses, everybody watching online, I know we have a lot of visitors uh, from the MMA community and people who love MMA. I want you to right now to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to listen very carefully, not only to my voice, but more importantly, to the voice of God. A small, still voice in your heart saying, today is the day. Now is the time. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says the penalty of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. The Bible says that while we were sinners, doomed to death, Jesus died to pay for our sin and he rose from the dead. And that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Some of you need to give your life to Christ for the first time right now. 
And there's some of you who prayed a prayer a long time ago, but you took your life back. You said, I want to do it my way anyway. You need to recommit your life, reestablish your relationship with God. I'm going to pray one prayer for both of y'all. If you want to give your life to Christ for the first time, or if you want to recommit your life, you walked away from God. In the privacy of your heart, if you're saying, yes, I need to be 100% committed to Jesus. I want you to pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe that my sin is wrong. But I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. And I believe he loves me very much. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I want to live for you. Please forgive me. Please fill me with the Spirit of God. I lay my life down at your feet. Be my Savior and my Lord. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up. No matter what campus you're in, there's somebody there to pray with you. If you're in our microsite, there's somebody there to pray with you. I'm going to ask you to stand up. By standing, you are making public confession that you are giving your life to Christ, whether for the first time or you're recommitting your life. It's not a time to worry about what anybody thinks except God. This is your moment of decision. So if you prayed that prayer, I just want you to stand up when I count to three, knowing that there are going to be people there who are going to pray with you, and I want you to stand and stay standing. One, two, three. Just stand to your feet. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. Stay standing. God bless you. 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 We see you. We see you all in the balcony. God bless you. We see you all over the room. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. God bless you. Now in a minute, we're going to ask all of you who are standing to come down to the altar. And as they do that, the rest of us, we want to celebrate them and cheer them. So right now, if you're standing up, come out of your seat. Come on down to the altar. Let's give them a hand. They come on down. Amen. 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 Jesus comes again. For I believe in Jesus. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection. Rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.
Amen. Amen. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Come on down, come on down. Come on down. Can we give Ken a big hand? Can we give Ken a big hand? Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Ken's testimony is on Gospel Central. Gospelcentral.us. You can search Ken. Share it. Don't only watch it. Share it. He's had 52 salvations this week already. Share it. Amen. Uh, your testimonies are powerful. What God has done in your life is powerful. What God is going to do in y'all's lives is powerful. Your only responsibility is very simple. Just do what he says. No matter who you are, God is God. He ain't applying for the job. He's God. And no matter how big and important and famous you think you are, it means nothing to God. All you have to do is surrender your life to him and say, Lord, I want to, I want to obey you. And he will do the rest. He will say, that person's no good. That person's no good. That show's no good. You need to hang out with that person. This is how you need to spend your day. And he'll guide and direct you. Relationship. It's that simple. It's very complicated because the devil puts all these distractions in our life. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for them. And then if you're a visitor, what we do after that, we cheer them into that room. And after that, Pastor Michael will dismiss us so we don't walk out after they get in that room and then we're dismissed. Can I get amen? Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for all these decisions. And we pray your blessing. And we pray they let you transform their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a right turn and walk this way. Take a right turn and walk this way. Amen. I believe in God, our Father. I believe.